Hey, uh, welcome once again to the podcast. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. I have lost my voice through sneezing. I don't know how this happens, but I get these sneezing fits, and I will sneeze 20 or 30 times in a row. Not like sneeze, 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 but just like one every 15 seconds, and then it just rips up my throat, and so that's why I sound a little bit hoarse. But if you don't know what my voice sounds like because you've never listened, it sounds totally normal to you. Anyway... Let's get started. I'm going to start with something that I really like that somebody sent to me that is a meme. And uh, thanks to Renita, uh, she said, uh, basically, I saw this on LinkedIn and I thought about your podcast. Read the comment from Vincent. It's so perfect. And it basically shows a picture of a woman who is probably about 25 or so years old. And she is um, a little heavier in picture number one. And she looks a little less happy in picture number one. And in picture number two, she is glowing. And she is thinner, and she looks healthy, and she's less puffy. And the caption says, 1,200 consecutive days of no alcohol. I had no idea that one small decision could lead to such a big change. Hashtag glow up. And a guy named Vincent, uh, he comments, he says, addiction has you lose everything for one thing. Recovery is giving up one thing so you can have everything. Sobriety is such a gift. Uh, thank you, Renita, for sending that. I'm going to put that on my on the um, Facebook page for Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything because you might not remember it later, and I want you to take a look. So, yeah, we do have a Facebook page. I don't update it very often, honestly, uh, but it's called to the name of the podcast, Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Uh, another couple of emails. Uh, this one is from, I'm going to leave her anonymous. And she said, I stumbled upon your podcast. And basically, her story is somebody who is not a drinker, but is affected by somebody who is a drinker. She said, my world was turned upside down by alcoholism about three and a half years ago when I started dating my boyfriend, Dan. Uh she says, as the longtime girlfriend of an alcoholic, I can tell you, we have tried everything from the I can quit on my own mentality to flying him out to California to attend one of the best inpatient rehab facilities in the U.S. I truly want to get him the help he needs, and I wouldn't be living through this struggle if I didn't believe there was a happy ending waiting at the end for us. You know what? That brings to mind. I'd love to get somebody on the uh, podcast who doesn't drink but lives with somebody who does and goes through the struggles. And we've had a few people on before, but I think that's a really interesting perspective. Um, Somebody brought up the other day, uh, a listener who um, lives in another state, basically they brought up a a shirt they saw that said coffee, teal cocktails. And they're like, oh my God, is it's a spot on depiction of what we're talking about here on the podcast. It's like just normal people who, for the most part, live a normal life, drink coffee in the morning, and then have cocktails in the afternoon. And I know the shirt is supposed to be funny, and so are the shirts that say it's wine o'clock or the glasses that are engraved. I'm not drinking alone if the cat is here. Uh, we all laugh at those, and but, but at the same time, uh, it's part of that wine mom or wine dad culture that a lot of people get caught up in. Uh, basically, she goes on to say, Dan's relationship uh, with alcohol, for example, you would find him with a drink in his car at 6 a.m. on his way to work, passed out on the couch before I even made it home from my job, 
Without getting too far into the poor me mentality, alcoholism deeply affects those around you too. I have missed many days of work, lost friends, and given up so many opportunities over the past few years due to Dan's drinking and my attempt to hide it or cover it up. And then she mentions Al-Anon, which is AA for people who don't drink themselves necessarily, but are supporting somebody who does have a drinking problem. So, uh... Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I want to get right into the podcast this week um, with a woman named Courtney. And Courtney, basically, uh, she is drinking still and still struggling. And I'm going to give you a little heads up. Courtney is a little quiet. I have a lot of energy when I do the podcast. and and But you got to remember, not everybody has my energy. Uh, so she's a little quiet. But I want you to listen to her story because... It's a painful story, and it's a hard story, and I want you to listen to it to see what you can learn from her story. So let's get started right now on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Here's Courtney. This week on the podcast, I'm talking to Courtney. Courtney is a different story than everybody else we've had on, and I think it's one of the things where you're, it, it helps us to hear different stories. Uh, so uh, we, I saw Courtney's story, and I'm like, let's get Courtney on the show Hi, Courtney. Thanks for being on the podcast. How are you? Hi, thank you. I'm so good. I'm happy to be on. <laughs> uh, Courtney, is has you've, you've had such a long story of your struggle with drinking that sometimes has been a struggle and sometimes has not been, and you've gotten sober and you've relapsed. And so I want to go back through that a little bit and, and talk about the first time, your first experience with alcohol, and whether it was a good experience or bad, and how that led to your first uh, struggle with alcohol, Courtney? Um, I was 17, actually. Okay. The first time I had ever had a sip of alcohol. I was very into sports and everything during high school, and my parents didn't drink, so I didn't really ever think about it until... I was in high school. So when you when, when you first drank, do you, was it like right away? Was it a problem or did it build up over the years? No, no, it was not a problem. Okay. I was like a normal high schooler drinking like every few weekends. And like, yeah, when you're in high school and you drink, your main goal is to get drunk. Pretty much. You get um, the cheapest booze you yeah. can and you hang with your <laughs> friends and you go somewhere where there's no adults around and you drink to get drunk. I've been there. I was in high school. I actually started in junior high, but that's another story. So when did it start to become a concern? You're 17 years old. You're having a good time. You're doing well in school and sports. When did it become a concern for you? Um, when I was 20, I was 19 and 20, I was in a very abusive relationship, and that's when I, the day I turned 21 was the day that I started drinking heavily okay. every single day. Every single day. So 21, like your birthday was kind of a, like a landmark, and you specifically mm -hmm. remember that's when you're like, you went from, you know, drinking here and there, or maybe drinking a little bit too much sometimes too. Now you're drinking. Why, why the, the abusive, it was a way to escape the abusive relationship or was it part of it or what? Exactly. Yeah. A way to escape. I, I honestly, I just wanted to sleep. 
And that was a way to put me to sleep. And I didn't have to think about anything, do anything. I could just sleep. And that was your escape because, so you would get up in the morning, you would function, you would do whatever, go to work, et cetera, et cetera. But when it came time later in the day, when you could drink, you're like, I want to drink, not to get drunk, not because I enjoy it, not because I wanted to, but you wanted to sleep as your escape. No, I would drink from the morning I got up. Oh, you did? Until, until the night. Yep. I went to school drunk. I went to work drunk. (laughs) did everything you had some other issues during those times though i mean there was some drug abuse involved courtney at the same time Mm -hmm. yeah so the same man that i was dating before that was abusive um like any addicted person I kept going back to him and he got started on cocaine and crack and I started doing those on the regular okay. and those are very quick drugs to get addicted to now I don't have any experience with with any of that really I did cocaine one time at a party in a hot tub back when I was 21 years old, but I don't even remember it having an effect on me. So I cannot even speak to cocaine. But crack, when when you did crack, you had to have like looked in the mirror and said, holy shit, Courtney, what am I doing? Or did your boyfriend at the time say, it's okay? No, I I mean, I was so far gone at that point that okay. I was like, oh, this is my life. Okay, so you thought this is just what you do. This is Courtney. Yeah, this is me. It's fine. How long did this go on? Now you've got the cocaine, the the crack, and and the alcohol. How long did this go on, and were you functioning while this was going on? Oh, yeah, I was functioning the whole time. Um, this was going on for about three years before I went to treatment. I moved to Michigan to try and get out of the whole scene but I moved in with my cousin who was also doing cocaine and drinking a lot so you went from one bad situation to a different but also bad situation yeah in a different state okay but you did get away from the abusive boyfriend. I'm going to guess when you say abusive, mentally and physically abusive, possibly? Yeah, and, and sexually. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you got into rehab. You got to treatment. So you go to Michigan. You're with, the with I think you said, cousin. And how did treatment come about? Because a lot of people never get to that point. Um, well, while I was in Michigan, I got my second DUI. Um decided to come back to Minnesota because I had, I was basically homeless. I had nowhere to live and, um, got it okay with my probation officer and everything. And I came back to Minnesota, continued on for about a year. And then I started throwing up blood, like not, being able to like get out of bed, not be able to walk. Like it, it was just, I could feel myself 
dying. Dying. I mean, you felt like you were literally dying. If you kept going down this road, you were going to die. Is that what inspired you to finally go to treatment at that point? <laughs> no, actually. No. I got okay. um, caught drinking at my job. And they said, you have two options. You can leave the job right now and get fired and we'll never ask you again. Or you can go to treatment. So that was kind sorry, you go ahead. No, so I, I took the, I was like, okay, treatment. Yeah, I guess I'll do that. And then how much later they say treatment. So let's say today's a Thursday, they catch you, they make this, give you this option. How long until you go into treatment? I went to treatment about three weeks later. Inpatient treatment where you're there like overnight. What do you do? I mean, without getting into like day to day to day, like washing dishes and washing the floors and going to knitting classes or whatever the hell you do. What is treatment? What do you do in treatment anyway? Oh, you wake up, you have breakfast, you, they have, it's kind of like school. Like you have different classes that you have to go to that are like one would be relapse prevention one would be why are you like this okay okay (laughs) but but how how long are you like okay how long were you in treatment courtney I was in treatment that time for 30 days. 30 days. And you say that time, so we'll get to another time in a minute. But it worked, though. Let's yeah. let's stop there for a moment and pause. Is that when you got sober for five years? Yes. Okay. Five years, though. That, that had to feel amazing when you were sober for five years. It, it was. Yeah. Like, I, I learned how to have fun again sober. I learned how to do everything that I was afraid to do before being sober i learned how to do sober i don't know if that makes sense but i mean to me not entirely but yes so you learned how to do sober you learned how to live sober yes yeah five years though five years on and then something happens that makes you slip back into it yes so i got married during those five years I had a beautiful daughter and I just slipped into really bad postpartum depression. And I talked to my husband about it and he was like, well, you know, like I really think that you've learned and you've grown from your trauma, like from the time I met you, because he met me after I got sober. Okay. He met me when I was still living in my sober house. So, and did he encourage you? He did he say, Courtney, you're better. You can have a drink. Is that where this is going? He was like, "Well, if you want to, like, I'm not gonna stop you." Yeah, because he thought we had it's harmless. You're 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 better. You can control it. And he didn't know, and so he he, and he meant well. Not an addict at all. Yeah. 
also um we had gotten a bottle of wine from one of his friends who didn't know that I was in recovery or anything. And it had been sitting in our fridge for like weeks. So then I was like, hey, do you mind if I have a glass of this? And he was like, no, go ahead. So I did and I maintained it for a few months. And then I didn't like the old thoughts like kept creeping back into my head. I was like, oh, you know what? I could get those like mini bottles of wine before I go to work and I can like put them in my pocket and I can drink them during work and I can drink them before work and it's then prob- go home and act sober and drink more. So your boyfriend at the time, your husband, I guess, at the time, he didn't know that you had relapsed to the point where you were sneaking little bottles here and there and hiding little bottles and that he'd had no idea. No. 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 Until the pandemic hit. Okay. He had no idea. So now we're up to working from home. So we're up to two years ago, pandemic. He's working from home. You're not working. You're a stay at home mama and you're drinking. What happens? How does he find out what happens? So he was working in the basement and I was upstairs with our daughter and he just walked up really quietly one day and caught me stealing a drink from one of those little mini bottles. So I would pour like my wine into those so it was easier to hide. Yeah. And he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, uh. So there goes all of these years of like progress and sobriety. And and listen, no shame here. I am not judging at all. And I think this is really interesting because in your email, you talk about while you're in recovery or trying to stop or cut down or whatever, there are failures and successes. And one of our earliest uh, um, uh, interviews was uh, Jessica, and she was the one who's a counselor. And she said, hey, just because you blow it doesn't mean you can't start over again. So how bad does it get this time? So you're drinking again, postpartum, you're drinking again. At this point, you know you've got a problem because you've been to to, to, uh, therapy and rehab and and that type of thing. Um, So what happens then two years ago? Your, your husband catches you drinking. What happens next? So in that time, it had gotten to the point where I was drinking because I decided to switch from vodka to wine because, you know, you can't get that drunk on wine. Yeah, only, yeah, a, wine is harmless. <laughs> it's like, totally, it's like, you know, it's like, so, a, it, it's, it's the light, it's alcohol light, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you, it tastes good so you drink more of it more quickly and then you're right in the same boat so um i got up to like three or four boxes of franzia like the big big 34 liter boxes like the big ones okay and those are the ones that contain about four bottles of wine something like that uh more than that oh really okay okay yeah and then would, I'd go through one in like two, two and a half days. Okay. 
So you're drinking at least two bottles, maybe three bottles of wine a day. I'd say even more than okay. that. Okay. Wow. Because like when I I go out to lunch with friends, I'd order like two glasses of wine. I, you know, so. Speaking of friends, you mentioned in your email that you had a friend who was training to be a counselor and they were kind of like bitching at you and they were all, but tell me the story about that real quick. Okay. So we were at a wedding of a mutual friend and this was right when I like started drinking again. So I wasn't drinking that much. Like I knew how to hold it back and um you know how weddings go she's falling over drunk because she doesn't have a problem but this is what she does every time she drinks no judge i'm not trying to pass judgment but sure no i understand yeah she saw me with a glass of wine and she just started screaming in my face about how i'm an alcoholic and She's going to school to be an LADC. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but I'm standing here like perfectly composed, and you're the one who can barely stand up. Like, I don't, at that point, I was like, stop calling me that. Like, look at yourself. And I was frustrated. I was really mad because she was just, screaming at me and um but I mean what she said was true like I I'm a straight up alcoholic so was that how did that affect you was that just a bad memory or did that make anything click in your mind or that change anything for you Courtney no just a bad memory um, yeah and it just made me like because the second I got back to our hotel room, I was like, I want a glass of wine. Mm. And that kind of was like, oh, like ringing bells. But of course, as an alcoholic, I ignored it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to where, and I don't want to skip too much here, but I think that I'm just kind of following the timeline in your email. But if I blow something, let me know. Um, yeah. Rehab a second time. There was When did rehab a second time come? So that came about, I would say about October of 2020. Okay, so during the height of the pandemic, you had been. Yeah. How did this? Th- how did this rehab get started? Were you pushed? Did you say I need to go? What happened this time? I was pushed. Okay. Yeah. Like, Husband. Um. Mm-hmm. And it was my birthday. And we we're on our way to my parents' house, and he just pulled over on the side of the road, and he was like, "Today, either I'm telling your parents or you are." And I was kind of like, "What the fuck?" 
like today. He's like, I'm sick of holding the secret. Nobody else knew in my family about any of it. So I walked in, I just told my mom, like I had relapsed. And she told everybody and my dad just came outside and he sat next to me and he was like, you need to go to inpatient again. He's like, you're so skinny. Cause, and, and, and we want, I want to just mention this and this is interesting. And I think it adds something to the story. You've never been over a hundred pounds except when you're pregnant. So drinking the volume of alcohol that you drink becomes even more of a problem when you would drink all the Franzia and the bottle of vodka a day at, at under a hundred pounds, that's obviously a factor. Yeah. And I, and I, it, I wouldn't eat. And you wouldn't eat. Okay. So dad says no. you got to go to rehab. Then you go back to rehab. No, then I went home and I was like, oh, I could do outpatient. I could do all this stuff. And took about, yeah, two months until I finally decided yeah, I should go probably to inpatient because I don't want my daughter remembering me like this. I don't. Yeah. And I did. I So I started calling rehab facilities and found one I liked and um the day before I was supposed to go, I got taken to the hospital because, like, I couldn't even move. Like, my three best friends came over, and one of them is a nurse, and she's like, I'm calling. Like, either I'm going to call you an ambulance or I'm going to drive you myself because I couldn't even. She had to give me a bath. She had to, they had to help me get dressed, like, and it was to the point where I was, like, throwing up. Because you were so, you were so poisoned, I guess, at this point by alcohol Mm -hmm. that it's through your system and your system cannot take anymore. So it's not like a college kid getting drunk and they have eight shots of vodka and after the ninth one, they throw up. Your body was, for lack of a better word, saturated, poisoned by alcohol, and it just couldn't take anymore. Right. Okay. Um. There was something I was going to ask you. For, I do want to say at this point, I admire you so much for realizing that you needed to go back to rehab and inpatient because I think there's a lot of people that I've talked to on the podcast and some people that I've experienced in my personal life that they're, they're, they didn't have the exact same experience as you, but they will not consider therapy, inpatient, rehab, anything. They just won't ever get to the point where they admit they have a problem. So I admire you for admitting that you had a problem. It's kind of hard to deny, let's be honest. But you go back Mm -hmm. to rehab. This is the second time in rehab, right? Yep. Okay. And um, obviously things were tense between my husband and I. Mm -hmm. And I got out. And 
things were not good at home. So I relapsed again. Again. Okay. And then he said, you can't, you cannot live here. So I went to a hotel for about two weeks. So and, uh, can I just uh, stop? Can I just stop right there? Yep. Because uh, I want to talk about this. That that part surprised me. But he said, you cannot live here. Get out. So he did not say, I'm going to leave. He put it on you and said, you're the problem. You get out. Did you willingly go? Or were you like, fuck you, you go? How did that go down? I did put up a fight, yeah. but he had some valid reasons. He's like, if you're drinking this much, like you can't drive our daughter anywhere. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything. And I was like, mm, good point. So off you go to a hotel and then we're, do we go to rehab a third time at this point, Courtney? Yeah. Okay. Now I asked that, I, 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 that was not even a leading question because I don't remember from your email. I don't have an open in front of me. So you're in rehab three times now, inpatient again. Yeah. Okay. So what happened was he let me come home and I drink at home and he called the police. And the police were like, oh, well, we don't deal with that. You need to call the fire department. Fire department? Yeah. So I was was like, you're not going to call the police. You've threatened that so many times. You're not going to do that. And, um, well, he, he did. And he had the fire department come. And which they did. And they walked into my room and they were like, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, fuck you. Get out of my room. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not going. No. Like, I had already had a date set for like two days later to go into rehab again. So I was like, I'm fine. Like, I'm going into rehab in a couple of days. Like, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> and they're like, no, this is your only option. And they're like, either we're going to take you or your husband is going to take you. Take you to the hospital. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they're like, so you can get on our ambulance right now. And I, I guess my husband told them, like, downstairs, he was like, don't touch her because she will rip your face off. Wow. So they take you to the hospital, and then you're in rehab now, time number three. Yes. Okay. And what happens after time number three? I got out. I um, went directly to a sober house. What's a sober house in, in like 30 seconds? What, I, 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 tell me what that is. Sober house is where people who are out of rehab go and they're, they have very specific rules. Like you have to go to 3A meetings a week. You have to, you have a curfew. You have to clean. You have to abide by all these rules. 
Okay. Basically living at your parents' house when you're a teenager. Okay. So, but they, they enforce this and you know that it's good, so you stay there. But it's not a, like, enfor- you can leave anytime you want. You just... You can leave anytime you want. Okay. However, if you relapse, you're out. You're out. Okay. So, Sober House was, that was a while ago. So, where, was there a fourth time at rehab or was that the third time? That was it. That was it. And then at that sober house, I relapsed, got kicked out, obviously, went to another hotel. And then my husband called a different sober house because I was like, you can't get into a sober house if you just got kicked out of a sober house. Yeah, yeah right. But he um, called and he found a sober house that would admit me. And about a week later, I went into that one. And um, about a month after I was in that one, found out I was pregnant. which is fine, found out that the man who I had dated before who caused all this trauma in my life had been videotaping us having sex. Mm. And like I got a call from a detective and I had no knowledge of that. And then I learned that he got off because of statute of limitations. He got off scotch-free. Okay. So, knowing I was pregnant, people are going to hate me. I drank again. My husband had a tracker in my car, so he knew where I was. And... Then they took me to the hospital again, and I was freaking out because I was like, you're going to take my baby. I know how this works. I was a major in college and social work. Like, <laughs> And um, got out at like 4 a.m., didn't get kicked out of my sober house because I was honest with her and I the manager and I told her like everything that was going on and she's like one more slip up and you're out and I was like oh. I know I know okay so let's cut so, to I don't want to stop you if there was something else another point a big point you wanted to make okay. no no Okay, I'm going to ask you a question, and you can answer me honestly. Are you drinking right now? Not right now. Not right but now. I have drink today. Okay. okay, good, because I had, you know what, hey, I'm drinking out of a, like a, a like a, 
it's like a Yeti bottle. So, and I drink tea or water when I'm doing the podcast. And I've, I've had people comment and say, Dave, do you drink during the podcast? Like, no, I don't drink during the podcast, but I heard you sound like you were drinking. And, and I know to get back to being serious, uh, and again, not judgmental, but you are, you still, you still drink right. I mean, currently not at the moment, but still currently you do drink. Yes. So I was sober for a year, had my second beautiful baby girl. Um, and I just started drinking like a month ago. Who knows? knows Who knows? Nobody Nobody knows. No, no, just me and you. My therapist knows a little bit. Okay. But that is about it. You know, again, no judging. You know, I always try not to be like, I ain't Dr. Phil. I'm not, uh, you know, a counselor of any kind. So I'm never going to say, well, here's what I think you should do. I, that, ain't, that, that is not what, it's, what, what I am here for at all. I think that what we are here for is for people to go, wow, I didn't realize there were other people like me. And I think the thing, and I don't know you at all, Courtney, but you know what? You're you're a little quiet, but you're funny and you're smart and you're a smart ass and and people enjoy you. Um, you're a lot like any anybody else who might have an alcohol problem. And you mentioned this. You said, if I can find this in your email, it says a lot of people associate. It can associ- be your best friend. It can be your neighbor. It can be anybody. Well, you say you say it very well, and I like this a lot, so I'm going to read it. It says, a lot of people associate alcoholics with being homeless, smelly, lazy people with no drive in life and do horrible things. That is not true. Your best friend could be an alcoholic or the soccer mom who is perfect or the guy who has everything. It is the drug that is everywhere, and no matter how hard you try, you cannot get away with not not without noticing it because it's true. You go to a restaurant. You know, some restaurants, mm-hmm. they give you the beer list. It's like, oh, here's what we have on tap today. Or they give you the the drink list. It's like, oh, here's our custom cocktails. Or what can I get you from the bar? It's everywhere. And and it's so yeah. normalized. You can't but- escape it. It's, it's commercial during, like, any show you watch, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Like, it's it's everywhere. And it's almost more normal to drink than it is to not drink. We've covered this a couple of times on the podcast where if you go yeah. to a bar with your friends or let's say you go on a date and he orders a, you know, a gin and tonic and, the, and you say, oh, well, I'll just have like a water with a lemon. And then he might say, what, the, you don't drink? It's like, well, you don't ask me if I don't, why I don't smoke. So, but it's more normal to drink than it is sometimes to not drink. But then the slippery slope is because it's so normal and so encouraged. Have another shot, Courtney. Have some fun. Have another shot. That pretty soon you are now on that proverbial slippery slope of, oh, shit. I went from a couple of glasses of wine a week to a couple of bottles of wine a day. And that has happened with a lot of people. Let's wrap up, Courtney, by, by saying what... What is next for Courtney? What do you hope happens at this point tonight as we're talking tonight? What do you hope happens in the next, you know, X amount of time? Well, like I said in our email, I am attending AA meetings, which 
do it's it really is like home to me because I have been in AA since I was 21. So anywhere I go, pretty much, like I know somebody from there. Okay. And nobody passes judgment at all. No. Nobody. Because they've all been there. Like, I want people to know that recovery is not just like abstaining completely. People slip up. People fuck up completely. Well, the last is a part of recovery. And I think that is what we have heard that relapse is just part of the process. It's kind of like when you quit smoking. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I quit smoking for a day or a week or even a year and then finally quit and I'll never smoke again. I mean, you know, I hope I never smoke again, but just like with smoking with alcohol, relapse should not make you go, well, I'm just a fucking loser and I can't do this, so I should give up. Well, and people look at relapse as like, oh, you failed. Yeah. Which isn't fair because like, yeah, like I said, it's everywhere. Even with drugs, like you walk down the street in Frogtown and people are going to be offering you whatever the fuck you want. And so I'm only saying Frogtown because I lived in Frogtown. Sure. Yeah. I I mean, I I don't know much about Frogtown, but I've, I've heard also, um, uh, you know, I, I honestly, North Minneapolis, like I lived in North Minneapolis for a while. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't get away from it. And you know, if you're having a, fucking bad day then a little tick in your mind is like oh one time's not gonna hurt but then one time becomes more yeah Yeah. and I think people really need to understand that I think it's true and I was just gonna say I was gonna say thank you for being on but I think I think you're right. We all go through those rough patches. I remember one time I broke off an engagement and my fiance and I had both quit smoking. We had not smoked in like, I don't know, two weeks or two months or whatever. And I broke off the engagement and she immediately went to the store to get cigarettes. I mean, it was just cigarettes. But when you do have that stressful day, absolutely it's a trigger for whatever it is that makes you feel better. Courtney, I admire you for, you know, for coming on and talking to us about this. I admire you for all you've been through. Um, uh, You know, we don't get to know you very well in these podcasts. We kind of only see one side of you. But I always try to see, like, the human and the humor and the friendliness and the friend on the other side of this podcast. And, uh, And I think what that tells me is what you said, that people who are struggling with alcohol are not smelly, lazy, living in a ditch, stealing money from their mom. They're just regular, normal people who have a disease and an addiction. And I think that definitely shows through with you. You're just a regular girl, regular person, um, mom, and you're struggling, but you're, you know, you haven't given up the struggle. And I find that very admirable. Thank you. Hey, Courtney, thanks so much for your time. I spent way more time on the phone with Courtney than I expected to, but I found her story to be very moving. 
It's time to wrap it up. We've gone a little bit long this week, but you know what? That's okay. There's no time limit on this podcast, and we're going to keep doing it next week. If you want to be on the podcast uh, in the future, drop me a little email to um, Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. Maybe you're like, oh my God, that reminds me of my story, or that is so much like my story, or my story is nothing like that. Love to hear from you to get you on a future podcast to um, uh, Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. Check out the Facebook page for the meme that I told you about earlier. That's the same name as the book uh, and the podcast. And um, uh, I won't say the name again. It's a long name. Have a great week, and thank you for listening. See you next time.